Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi there, it's Jake Humphrey here and this is the Premier League Tonight podcast. Premier League Tonight is live on BT Sport 1 on Saturdays from 8pm. But if you miss the show for any reason, you can catch up anytime and anywhere on iTunes, Acast and all the best podcast providers. I was joined following West Ham's visit of Liverpool by two of the best midfielders of our generation in Frank Lampard as Steven Gerrard. And of course, no Premier League Tonight will be complete without our regular Steve McManaman who loves the show. Now remember, if you want to get involved in the programme as one of our fan pundits, then please email btsportfanpundit at gmail.com. Here are the best bits from another fun-filled offering of Premier League tonight. He is building a team that is something special at the moment, and this team is really, really going places. We're no longer just looking at scrapping away from relegation. We are looking at establishing ourselves and building ourselves as a really top mid-table side in this Premier League, and I am absolutely ecstatic. Honestly, just I cannot wait to get back to Turf Moor. I cannot wait for the next game. I'm gutted there's another international break. I just want to watch these Clarets team play all the time. Get in. I had no idea how beautiful Burnley was, did you? Southampton, that was. The... <laughs> Actually, she's in Florida. I suppose the question is, um, when you're a Burnley fan in Florida, do you get the breaking news first? Well, the official line from Everton today is that there's been no approach for Sean Dyche. The unofficial view, this is from Becky Talentar on social media, she says very clearly, we're in talks with Sean Dyche. Announcement after the weekend. It's a totally understandable move if Everton decide to go for oh, him. Yeah. Is he the right man for the job? Yes. I think so. Um, what he's done at Burnley has been phenomenal. Um, to, to have them on the brink of, of the European places in, in the Premier League, with the quality teams that they're up against every single week, um, he's done a fantastic job and he deserves all the plaudits and all the attention he's getting. Um, they've conceded 20 goals already this season, Everton. You sense that along with a lot of the, the great qualities that Sean Dyche has got, he can make a team solid and do it quickly and well, Everton they, need that. Yeah, they certainly were like that today. They were really solid against Southampton and the the Sam Vogue scores a fantastic header late on in the game and sometimes that's what you have to do you have to go to uh, difficult away games defend really strongly and then hope to, hope to get a, a winner but you know at least he, he was going to get a point today because they were defensively so organised and um, you know if anything happens here you know it, it's it's an art that West Ham needs as well so you never you never know but certainly the right choice he's, he's done an incredible job and I don't think many Burnley fans would um, would would let him, you know, they'd, they'd be happy to a certain extent to see him go on and uh, try and better himself as well. But he's done an incredible job. Does that make it a unanimous three that he's the yeah. right man? Great as well. Great to see our homegrown manager as such getting that Absolutely, chance. Sometimes yes. we go and look far afield and we've got someone doing brilliantly, deserves a chance. OK, um, let's quickly hear from Sean Dice actually. This is what he said after today's game. You're trying to extract an information, you know, that, that to try and make a story. There's not a story there. My story is the Burnley story. Five years here, another win today, which is a fantastic win, a clean sheet. Southampton away, a place that's been historically very, very tough for us to come and get results, both me as a manager and the club. We're 1-1-0. That's the story. The rest of the story is for you guys to make your minds up and how many different ways you can pitch a story or change it or manipulate it. That's just the way it is. And I totally get it, by the way. I must make that clear to you all. I've got no problem with it whatsoever. 
I'm just stating a fact. He would say that, wouldn't he? Didn't say he's not going, though, did he? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is that a yet or a no? That usually means he's going after the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, loads of you getting in touch on social media. Keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, hashtag PL tonight. Uh, Phil says, I think Dice should be aspiring for England or a top four club next. Nothing less. Top manager. Richard Steele, what an unbelievable win that is. Some team this. I hope this is not Dice's last game because we could do something really special this season. Cammy says, this shows how plastic the Premier League is. If Sean Dyche was a European or foreign coach, he'd have already got the Everton job by now. Um, would Dyche want to leave Burnley for Everton at this moment in time? I don't think so. Um, and Gail says, there is no way you can let Sean Dyche leave. He's the, he is the man making all our dreams come true. Well, what do Everton fans make of it? Have a look at this. Will David Unsworth be the man to save us? I don't think so. I think Everton needs to bring someone in with a proven track record. Sean Dyche is looking like the favourite now and after today's win at Southampton, you know, who's who's to say he shouldn't be the Everton manager? For me, we need someone like that. Someone who can organise us, someone who can 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 build a team, uh, make us solid uh, and get us up that table. All right, well, let's talk about Sean Dyche. If he gets the job, when he goes in, what's the number one thing he needs to solve with this Everton team? Where are the big issues? Whew, um, Where do you start? Well, considering the amount of money they spent, I mean, I, I thought early season they spent too much money in one area on similar types of players, number 10s. So he'll have to get through till January. He'll have to tighten them up and get some confidence going through the club because they look shot on confidence when I've seen them. And then come January, he'll have to knock on the owner's door or he might do it on the, on the job application in the interview and tell him, look, I'm going to need some pace up front because I just think at the moment they haven't got anywhere near a replacement for Lukaku and they're going to need goals to get them out of trouble. So if you're applying for the job and they say, come on, Stephen, your blueprint for improving Everton with the current squad... I that one, didn't you? Don't, <laughs> don't really think it's going to happen. Uh, but if it did, what would your answer be to them? Well, I think they've got problems at both ends of the pitch. I think they need a nine, a goal scorer. So the likes of your Rooney's and, and your Sigurdsons can play off that nine with someone who's going to get your regular goals. Since they lost Lukaku, they haven't replaced that number of goals. But also, defensively, they've been all over the place. They can see in too many goals. If you look at the league, they're minus 13 in terms of goal difference, and that's not good enough. It's a good answer. Do you fancy the job? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Maka? No, he doesn't fancy the job, no. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> what would you say? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think defensively they're not strong enough. Trying to say something different. They, well, I, I, I can't. He said the, the front. <laughs> he said the front and the back. All right, they need to... Have the middle. There was 12 middle players they bought in the summer. They need to, they need yeah. to sort that out. No, they bought too many... Sigurdsson, Wayne, Ross Barkley. You play you know, Sigurdsson and Wayne in the same team, do you yeah, think? But David Classen, they brought in. They brought so many players and spent a lot of money in those Balanced, areas. Yeah. Spent, you know, spent over the odds on the money because they had plenty of it. And we knew they had plenty of money to spend and didn't do it defensively. And Sean Dykes will go in and that's where they'll sort them out straight away. Of course, it's always hard to score goals. But defensively, he will make them hard to break down Everton and he'll make them hard to, mm. to, you know, to concede goals and that's what, that's what you do. At least they're going away from home then and at least they'll, they're guaranteed a point if they keep a clean sheet, won't they? You look deep in thought there. Have you got something to add? No, no, I don't. I think it's a, I think it's a really tough job, actually. And I'll tell you what's an yeah. even tougher job, going into Burnley next. Oof. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. he's taken them to yeah. such uh, a lim not a limit. Who knows? Maybe they can stay there for a period of time, but an incredible job to so follow that one. It starts a little sort of round robin of moves, yeah. doesn't it? Okay, well, let's, uh, let's turn our attention now to West Bromwich Albion. This is uh, Matt Evans. He's a Baggies fan and he wants to share these thoughts. Have a listen to this. You'll find this interesting. Another dreadful performance today from the Albion away from home. Over 3,000 fans went to Huddersfield and they barely saw a shot on target even when they went down to 10 men. 
We never look like scoring anymore with Pierce in charge. The way he sets up is horrendous. Sometimes it's like we're not even trying to score. It's the best squad we've had in years, and Pierce simply isn't capable of using these players properly. The results are dreadful. The performances are dreadful. What happened to guaranteed survival with Pierce in charge? Sorry, Tony, but it's time for you to go. Pretty to the point, wasn't it? Uh, take a look at this. This is the uh, the starting eleven tweeted by West Bromwich Albion, and then um, the replies. These things have become pretty common actually on social media. Okay, very funny. Post a real lineup, but I think Sam gets this. Look, five defenders and three holding midfielders against Huddersfield with Phillips and Chadley on the bench. Tells you so much, doesn't it, about Tony Pulis's approach to football? He doesn't want to lose games of football, but. It's a simple fact, isn't it? We know the style of manager he is. Um, when he keeps you mid-table and you're West Brom, you're pretty happy, even though there's a few voices last year. But as soon as you start losing too many games and it remains that way, style's not so good, points aren't so good, fans are going to be unhappy. I think they have to be careful what they wish for. Say, for example, he left and a manager came in who wanted to play better football and blah, blah, blah. And it could go the other way. And then they could end up it can't go much the other way, can it? Because they're not winning games of football. They're, they're, they're well, losing well, and they're playing well, badly. He's known for keeping teams in the league. Yeah. He's got one of the best records for keeping teams in the league. You, you can bring a manager in, it can go badly wrong. Yeah, it's not going great at the moment, but be careful what you wish for. OK, um, we know he's never been relegated, but there was a poll which we did a little bit earlier on. Let's have a look at that. In fact, you can find it right now um, over on BT Sports Score. West Brom fans, have you had enough of Tony Pulis's tactics? Was the question... And it was slowly, unanimous, 57% yes, need better football. Interestingly, though, 43% of fans are still saying, no, we'll beat the dropper. Should they not be aiming for more than that, though, West Brom at this point? Just survival, playing unexciting, pragmatic football just to stay in the league. Um, What's that like uh, as a fan? Well, I, I, the answer is I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to follow West, West Brom. I, I want as I've said many times, to be entertained when I go to football matches, if they're not getting entertained. But where, where do you expect West Brom to, to finish? They're not going to win the league. They're not going to finish in the Champions League. They're not going to win a so cup, play good they? football then. Well, no, I agree. I agree. And, but and as, Steve, as Stephen said, he must look at the personnel and think, we can't have football teams, so we're just going to have to be dogmatic and strong and difficult to beat and hopefully we'll we'll get a free kick or a corner, a set piece and, and we'll nick a goal and we'll stay in the league because he does that all the year, every time. But a new manager might come in and say, right, you know what, let's get the ball down and start playing. And they might get battered every single week. So you honest, honestly don't know. He's known for keeping the, the teams in the, in, the, um, in the Premier League. And I'd bet that if he was at West Brom this year and he stays the end of the season, they'll still be in the Premier League. 30% possession, though, against Huddersfield is not something to be particularly proud of, is it? Andrew Plant said that on social media. Here's a good tweet. Foxy Stoke. Our current form is so bad that by the time we sack Tony Pulis, the only man that will be able to save us from relegation will be Tony Pulis. Let's hear from him. He spoke after the game. When I took over the football club, he's coming up to three years. Um, this club is now in a better position than what he was then. And what has happened over the two years, we've just continuously grown. And last year, we finished in the top ten. And we signed some, I thought, some good players. Um, unfortunately, one or two have been injured. We've not been able to put our strongest team out. And we haven't won games, and it hasn't gone for us. And irrespective of what you've done previously, that goes out the window. Well, it's, it's why don't I start with someone else, and why don't I start with someone else? You know, I'll get the responsibility to pick the team, and, and that's what I'll do. And one day when you're a manager, you can pick him. <laughs> Thanks very much. 
These are the comments coming in. Um, Stead says, Tony Pulis put out the most negative team in Premier League history with only two attacking players and nine defensive-minded players. Ryan Barron, I don't know what else to say that I haven't already said before. Pulis out. Paul says, 100% Pulis out. I've defended him enough and enough is enough. David Fox doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Hashtag Pulis out. And Joe Bradley, I always said Pulis was a short-term fix, never long-term. He should have left a long time ago. And Paul said, not good for Tony Pulis, although we need to start winning. I think we give him until Christmas. So the general feeling on social media is not actually about the results that West Brom have been having. It, it seems to be the style of football, doesn't it? That's what's really got these Baggies fans going. Yeah, and that, that could force a change in the end. But I think what we're saying here is, is right, that if you change him now, they've got the players they've got. They've got five big centre-halves. They've got these players. If you change mid-season, what are you asking of someone to come in and completely change mm. and bring great football with that? It probably, if it's a change, there's a change to be made in the summer when you can actually get into your squad and completely change it because you, you can't make those certain players play beautiful football from the back. It doesn't work that way. And I think if you're an owner and you see that you're not in real relegation trouble, you're probably tempted to stick with him, aren't you, with his track record? Yeah, I think so. And I think next time we do this show, they could have three, four points on the board and they can be in the mid-table. And then you get people phoning in saying, oh, Tony Pulis is great. Uh, he's brought, made us solid. He keeps us in the league. And opinions change very quickly. Yeah, they're not in great form. Yet that team that he picked today was a negative team. But he mentioned injuries. Mm. And they're probably only a win or two away from going where they should be, realistically. Mm. OK, you guys are normally bad at this. One-word answer for Tony Pulis. Stick or sack? Stick. 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 OK, right. Donald says, K Salah Salah. Liverpool fan. I like that. Um, and Ollie Parker, think I'm dreaming. He's a Burnley fan. It might turn into a nightmare if you lose your manager. Leave Dyche alone, says Pete Burtwistle, also a Burnley fan. And Matt says, Pellegrino out now. He's a Saints fan. Suddenly, today, we're talking like every half the Premier League. We're talking about do they stay or do they go? Um, well, we are certainly talking um, about Slavin Bilic in great detail. Let's now hear from uh, Bows and Rob, a couple of West Ham fans. When I first started doing these videos, I used to try and come up with something different every time, some piece of new analysis or what I found from the game. But now I just walk down the same road and every time say the same thing. Defence, useless. We've been spanked again. And I just sit there and I'm surprised when we score. I just... It happens again and again and again. Don't get me wrong, losing to Liverpool isn't the same as losing to Brighton, but it's still embarrassing getting done four goals again. Uh, I think Billich, that's probably it for me. I don't think they'll suck him. I think he'll resign. Um, well, that'll be the excuse anyway. And huh, all we keep reading is David Moyes. Great, isn't it? Got an ambition at this football club to move forward. So we can take another step backwards because that ain't a manager who's going to take us forward. Um, I don't know. I'm beaten. I am beaten because we're in big, big trouble. Well, the emotion is clear down here at the London Stadium. Simon says, uh, Dimitri Pyatt made Bilic look good. Great person and character, but not good enough to get us out of this mess. Nick, why do we keep blaming managers? It's the players on the pitch. Bilic was a beast as a player. And West Ham fan zone, thank you for everything, Slav, and I mean that. You gave us great times, but it's time to say goodbye. I think Nick's point there is the most salient. You change the manager, and Frank sort of look down the team sheet and ask quite a relevant question, really. Does that change the performances on the pitch? Just by changing Slavin Bilic, you've got those not same not players all, out there. Not at all. He picks the 11, he sends them out, he wants them to play well. But, um, you know, we, we mentioned it before, desire, passion, running rounds, working hard, being organised, closing down together rather than one goes, someone else goes. Really passive player. I, you know, the first half, I just thought, was one of the worst I've seen in a long time again. And that's, um, you know, that's not down to him. 
If the players are not good enough and they're not, they're not good enough, the, the golfing class was big today. Liverpool are a better team than them. But you can still put everything you possibly have out on that pitch today. And they didn't. Yeah. They walked off. They were scared to get the ball. They were scared to receive the ball. They were going missing at times. Sometimes you see the television and you just see, of course, you're following the ball. But when you see the bigger picture, you can see players didn't yeah. want the ball today. Once the crowd started to get up and the heads were down and they were looking the other way. In all seriousness, for someone who's managing the under-18s and under-19s now and someone who harbours ambition of going into management and someone who never wants to do a day's work for the rest of his life, <laughs> where, where does... <laughs> In all seriousness... I can't believe you said that to you, Joe. That's terrible. <laughs> Joe works very hard. That's awful, that means. He's put four microphones on today. I mean, that's... Like, that's... Um, where does this seriously leave you and your and your desire to go into management, it must make you look at that and think, do I really want to invite that kind of grief into my life? Yeah, it's part and parcel though, isn't it? You can't, I don't think you can put it as simply as that. You have to be aware of what you're going into. Um, and I think Slevin has given them good times. They had a great last year at Upton Park and then there's been so many circumstances around that it's made it very difficult. Um, but I don't think you can get turned off because so of So for you personally, it doesn't no, make you think no, twice? No, no Stephen? No. I think you've got to be thick-skinned. Um, but I think you know going into it, it's not always going to be rosy. Uh, mm. It's mm. going to be a journey of highs and lows, but it was as a player. But um, as a player that was in your hands, you're on the pitch. I mean, he looked so frustrated there, didn't he, Slavin? Yeah, he did. Um, and, and it was sad for him. I thought the interview at the end was very sad. And just going back to what Mark said, I felt sorry for Mark Noble today. Mm-hmm. He's getting booed by his own fans. He's showed unbelievable amounts of loyalty to this team. He's basically sacrificed his career for them. Yeah, OK, he mightn't be in great form, but I think it's time that these fans show him support and some love and try and get behind him. When he received the ball today, he had people running away from running him. Running away, yeah. When you receive a ball as a midfielder, you should have three, four, five options. In a good team, you do anyway. People are running away from him. That's not I, good enough. I, I don't know enough about West Ham or the, the the higher echelons of West Ham, but I'd like to know who buys the players because I see some of the players out there and they're nowhere near good enough and they just have random players just emerge now and again. I just wanted to know, I'd like to know if, if they're his players, if he's sat down and gone, I want him, I want him, I want him, or whether players are just given to him like, like they are sometimes across Europe yeah. because I see some of the players today, they just don't look or fit into a West Ham style of play at all. Mm. And um, really strange, really strange. And I'd like to know who does pick the players. Because if he's not picking the players, then it's someone else needs to go as well. Yeah, I'm not sure he is. And, and, and he, the summer, he didn't talk about Arnautovic. He's on the bench today and he hasn't had a great start. But 20 million plus for him, Chikorito. It's not really like... It's two signings to maybe hopefully keep you in the league. Can Chikorito nick us... Double figures in goals. Can Anatovic come up with a but top corner? These signings area. to move them to that next it's level. It's not. It's not. There's, it doesn't seem a plan. There's some players from France no. over the years and this and that bit of physique in, in midfield. But where is, is the actual vision? Where are we going to get some younger players? You're going to. You've got 20. You know, they spent 40 million pounds or something in the summer. You can maybe go down a different route. They seem to go down a route which was like, let's let's hope this comes off and keeps us in the mm. league. What's the long term? Chigurito, you're not going to ever resell. Anatovic, similar thing. Where are they looking? It doesn't seem like there's a long plan. Yeah. I think the court's in the middle of styles as well. Mm. So when Andy Carroll's fit, they go direct and they look effective and he causes problems. But then if he's injured or he's on the bench, they try and play football. So what is it from week mm-hmm. to week? You know, what is the philosophy? What's the style? West Ham, are they a footballing team? Are they a possession? Are they going to try and be creative? Or are they going to play direct? If they are, they need to make the man. I want to know when Mark Noble goes. Where's the, where's the heartbeat of, this, of, of West Ham? Because they look as if they've just got loads and loads of different nationalities who look as if, well, if it's not going well, I'll just leave next year and go somewhere else. Yeah. And that worries me as well. OK, well, uh, let's focus on something a bit more positive. 
Jurgen Klopp. He has now spoken to Des, and here are his post-match thoughts. First half, Jurgen, completely dominant. Second half, you took control again. Were you pleased at the whole performance? Absolutely. Um, it was a little different approach. Huh? Um, it looked like a very offensive lineup, but it, for the boys, we had no time to train. We had only one session yesterday, and it did fantastic. Just being a little bit deeper and counter-attacking football then. Um, Broke perfect. That's yeah? so, okay. First goal after a uh, set piece, which is a strength of West Ham, but we used our speed and it was difficult to defend, uh, I think, at the end. Um, second goal, <laughs> offensive set piece. Um, makes life easier if you become a threat in that. Yeah, okay. Then, second half, it was clear. They, they changed. Um, they brought um, Carroll. What makes a game immediately different, that's clear, but it's not a big problem usually. No, only you cannot and uh, defend this situation all completely clear. You need to, you need to know that um, it's always possible that he gets a ball. And um, yeah, I think we could have defended the first, their goal. Um, Joe, maybe not in a perfect position, maybe Sai could jump in the situation. I have to see it again, but um, they score and we that was a perfect response, I would say. That was the best counter-attack in the game, that we countered their goal immediately. Perfect from um, Ox, a wonderful play. I'm pretty sure man of the match today is probably Mo Salah, yes. I think. For, I'm talking, I mean, yeah, yeah. For, me, it's, for me, it's Roberto Firmino. <laughs> I'm not sure if I saw, after the third game in a week, or, or Sadio Mane after one proper session. I think he could have played 90 minutes, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you, you decided the man of the match. <laughs> so, how do you answer the <laughs> Liverpool manager, Stephen? Well, I went with Macker, actually, I thought. Did you? Are you backing it? I, like no, I thought Mo Salah was unbelievable, but I can understand what yeah, he yeah. means with Firmino, because Firmino's is... He sets the press yes, for him, yeah. he works his socks off. If you compare Firmino today to Javier Hernandez, yeah. it's just mm -hmm. two completely different players. One doesn't care, one doesn't run, one's lazy. The other one runs his socks off, starts all the press off, Fantastic first touch, makes things happen, strong, hard to play against, everything you want mm. in the centre mm. forward. Yep. And Jurgen Klopp said, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago, I want to find a situation that creates confidence. That's now three wins on the bounce, nine goals scored, one concession. That's, that's going to bring it confidence. Is. The most interesting thing for me there was the tactics, and Stephen, you were looking at it early on, I think they, they wanted to play deeper. And I, you look at their, uh, the, the goals they've conceded on the road, against Man City, ten men, you can yeah. look at that, Tottenham White. Yeah. They're trying to play this higher line, and it's, uh, playing at Anfield when you're on top of a team is brilliant, it's so hard to play against, but sometimes you maybe just have to go, do we need to shift and protect, stay they protected, and because yeah. they've got so much pace on the counter-attack, it could be a perfect way for them to play. That's the next challenge though, isn't it, is going to those big clubs, playing those big clubs and beating them. I don't think it's the next challenge because they were doing it They've last done year. it, yeah. They've I think done the record against the top this sides. Season, this season, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, they, at City, they lost a man. Uh, it's hard enough playing against City with 11, never mind 10. I think, obviously, the wheels came off at Tottenham. Defensively, they weren't good enough. But I think today you're seeing a more disciplined, disciplined performance. Yeah. They had four there. The full-backs only went on the odd occasion. And I thought Emre Chan and Wijnaldum were superb today. Okay. Actually, let's have a really brief chat about Emre Chan. What's the situation going to be here? They've allowed him, or he's allowed his contract to run down. There was talk last season about trying to offer him a new deal. Liverpool under Fenway Sports Group have been great at buying young players, but they've kept them, they've nurtured them and had them in their prime. This is kind of the first time it's looking like they get a player and at 23 he leaves for nothing. They've got players on big money before. This is not an ideal situation. How do you, how do you all see this playing out? I presume he'll leave, I presume. He mightn't be happy at Liverpool. I, I, I don't know the lads, I have no idea, but he seems, when there's interest off, I don't know, Juventus or another side, he seems to um, 
quite like that. You might want to, you might want to go elsewhere. We've seen it before. It looks as if Sanchez will do it. It looks as if Erzl might do it. We, we, you know, we never know. Ross Barkley at Everton is, is the situation's happening. So I, I honestly don't know. But it looks as if now we're getting down to this point. And he can start yeah. speaking to foreign teams in January. There's yeah, a good we're two months away, aren't we, from yeah. when he can start discussing teams yeah. outside the Premier League? Yeah. I think it's a bit unfortunate for the club because I think if. Okay, you can say, like with Arsenal, they've let that contract run down, but with Chan, like a year or 18 months ago, I'm not sure we're all going, oh, Emre Chan must mm. like, sign him up. Shouldn't they, have, shouldn't they have last summer said, right, sign the new deal maybe. and you go? Who knows? And then they get 25, maybe 30 his million. Agent wanted double the money they thought he was worth. But you can't, you, you can't say out. go. What if he doesn't want to go? You can't just make him go. Well, he, he, wants to stay. he obviously does want to go. No, but I mean, if you, say, if you say, if you don't sign a new deal, you have to go. He doesn't have to go. He's got Runs his contract down and yeah. takes a big payday, Stephen. If it was me and I was in his shoes, I'd sign the deal. We've got a German manager who believes in you. I think he's a regular in this team. I think he's grown. I think Liverpool have helped him to improve. Uh, he's getting player, in the national it? team. Mm. Um, he's moving forward. He's looking a, a really good player. There's talk of Bayern Munich and Juventus being after him, and rightly so. He deserves that, that credit, if you like, but... I'm not sure there's a guarantee he gets in them teams. Um, Could there be a situation where he leaves thinking the grass is greener on the other side and maybe makes the wrong decision? I think you make a decision like that if you're unhappy, if you're not playing, uh, if you're getting unfairly fit, or the fans are not having you. There's a situation like that. Yeah, I understand if they move, but if you're happy, the manager's having you, you're playing, you're getting offered a a good deal. Mm. I don't see any reason why he needs to make... Whether whether he's been... Courted without us knowing by Bayern Munich. He's a young German player, and Bayern Munich might be the dream. It might be his dream. I have no idea. But um, it's not playing time. That's no, not an issue, no, exactly. Is it? Liverpool will pay him well. Mm. He's playing in the Champions League, so th- but there is obviously a reason there. You know, players well, have the head turn potentially. I think we'll right have to again. wait and see how it pans out. I mean, the interesting thing here is no one's really talking about it, so we'll just yeah, have which to is wait ominous. Yeah. I think that's ominous. Yeah, that's his side saying, is staying yeah, quiet, yeah. and, he can and that's, what, that's what you'd like to happen. What do you think will happen? Um, I think it's 50-50. Yeah. I think Jürgen could be a big factor in it, hopefully. And Liverpool won't stop, will they? I mean, they will continue trying to get him to sign this deal. Yeah. Well, they have been, they have been for, for, yeah. for a long time. They, they, they rate yeah. him, the fans like him. Um, but, you know, as you say, he maybe have a dream where he wants to play for Bayern Munich, but if that's the case, then... You move on, Cater comes in, things move exactly. on. Not bad replacement, is yeah. Not bad, <laughs> not bad, is it? Not do, do, do job interview, you know, and all that. I never like to talk about myself like I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. I'm gonna never do it. I know my values and all that, uh, and I'm. Uh, if I'm anything, I'm a strong man and I am a big believer in myself. And I never, and I'm the one who is taking the bullets all the time when I have to and when I don't have to. So that that is out of question. Uh, how strong character I am. I'm definitely strong, and I believe in myself. I believe in my work. I believe in my stuff, and be- I believe in my players. He's hurting, isn't he? Just complete respect for that. He cares, and that's not fake. That's completely real. Absolutely respect the man, no matter what. If he if he stays, if he gets sacked, he'll go on to other things because he's a good man, and I think a good manager. Yeah, you can't accuse Slavon Bilic of not caring, that's for sure. Uh, loads of three-word match reports flooding in during the show. Gemma says, sack him now. She's a West Brom fan. Salah, new gigs, says Diz. 
Some accolade, isn't it? Dire, depressing, hopeless, says Anthony, who's a West Ham fan. And Robert Bradley, who is a West Brom fan, he says, West Brom woeful, Pulis out now, and enough is enough. He says, the list goes on, which is also a third match report, I guess, in some ways. Right, let's hear now from um, a couple of fans who went up against each other today for Leicester and Stoke. Scott is a Leicester fan. James is a Stoke fan. This is their take on the day. Stoke City 2, Leicester City 2. I think that's the default result for this fixture. It's been 2-2 now the last three seasons. Decent game for the neutral. And uh, I think on the grand scheme of things, it was a fair result. Nothing really going forward and so slow until Peter Crouch came on. Obviously not the fastest player, but we changed and went more direct. And that made the real difference. He caused havoc in defence, scored a goal. He never lets us down. I think he should get more time for Stoke. And over the years, he's probably been overlooked by England a little bit too much. His time has gone for England, but I'd like to see him getting more game time for Stoke. Well, uh, Peter Crouch has yet to start a Premier League game this season, but he's among the goals. Have a look at this. This is the tweet from Stoke. Uh, on reflection, that was probably a fair result. Always good to come on and make an impact, says Peter Crouch. The interesting thing is the poor old cameraman having to stand on a box to get the shot of Peter Crouch for the post-match interviews. Um, look, 36 years old, as I say, not started a Premier League game this season, but that's now three and seven for him. He's sort of <laughs> creating this new role as a bit of a super sub, isn't he? Oh, he's a legend, isn't he? 36 comes on, makes an impact. You know, the fans love him. And um, as long as he can keep on doing that, you know, let him continue. Let him continue doing what, what he does. What does he like to play with? Good for me. Um, I've got a lot of goals, a lot of knockdowns from the big man. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good his touch is and how good he is on the floor and his awareness and how clever he is. Um, I think he's had a fantastic career and he's still doing it. He's a player who's never relied on pace. You know, he's all about attacking the goal frame, being in the right place at the right time. And what is it now he holds the most headers in the Premier League? He's in the Guinness Book of Records for the most headed goals. Listen, it's a record. We'd all take them if we can get them. What was he like for you? Same. Great lad, great personality. And not easy at the back end of your career to sit on the bench a lot. As you get older, I mean, you start to think, you know, getting up and coming on for 10 or 15 minutes, making impacts, and he's doing it. So, brilliant. Fair play. Uh, right, well done, Peter. Uh, another goal for him today. Um, he remains evergreen. Right, let's talk about our game we've got tomorrow morning. Um, we've got the Tottenham game. How much of a landmark victory do you think that would have been against Real Madrid in the week for Spurs, just for their self-belief, for that sort of group of young, tight-knit players? Yeah, I, I think a huge deal for them. I think the away game was good, but this home game, to beat a team of Real Madrid, they turned up Real Madrid without their, their A game by any stretch, a long way from that, but... The way Tottenham play, the atmosphere, the belief that gives their players throughout their team. I mean, listen, we keep saying Tottenham need to win something. Well, results like that can help you get to that stage. The atmosphere was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. The atmosphere yeah. was really good. Yeah. I thought before the game it was quiet. Um, you know, you go to, I mean, everybody's played all over the place in Europe and there's mm. really some hostile atmospheres when you go to away grounds. I thought Tottenham, Wembley was quiet. But within 10, 15 minutes, you could see how the game was panning out, and I thought the crowd really got behind them. And I thought it was, a, I thought it was, a, you know, a, a really good evening, and it will, it will set them off. Really, you just hope that they'll re replicate that as they, because this, well, unfortunately, this game means nothing. In October, they're going to qualify. We all thought they were going to qualify. Yeah. It's what they do in February in the knockout phases. They have to keep on doing that again and getting the same type of atmosphere to scare the opposition. It's also easy to talk about tomorrow and say, oh, you know, getting brought back down to earth with the game against Crystal Palace, having just played the mighty Real Madrid. But the reality is for this team, they've already dropped points against Burnley. They've already dropped points against Swansea. These are games they've struggled in this season and this is a chance to show they can do that 
and kick on, which is what the great teams do. Of course, consistency wins your trophies. Um, I think they've got a fantastic manager and I'm sure his message to the players tomorrow is this Crystal Palace game is just as mm. important as Real Madrid. Now, we all know it's not on paper, but mm. if Spurs have got any ambitions of being successful at the well, end of the season... Maybe with City being so well, good. They just can't slow I down. I think it is, but obviously when you've just come off the back of a Real Madrid performance yeah. and result like that, you'd have a, inevitably have a big high. You know, can the players raise it again? For the atmosphere Wallace? won't be as good tomorrow. It's, a, it's an early kick-off Sunday morning. Well, yeah. Sunday 12 o'clock, I think yeah, the kick-off yeah, is. Yeah. It's a different type of mentality. You have to go, you know, you go about. Wednesday night in front of the lights, or whatever night it was, in front of the lights at Wembley, amazing against the greatest players in the, in the world. You've just won the Champions League back-to-back to Crystal Palace, Sunday at 12 o'clock with a different type of atmosphere. It's another test for them that they have to overcome. What is the emotion like as a player when you've had a great win, like the win that Spurs had over Real Madrid? Do you take that into the next game? Yeah, full of, you, or do you sort of think, oh man, you've just, I've given everything away? No, you ride, oh. you ride the crest. They go out there and carry on. Deli Alley's going to be bouncing out of that tunnel two yeah. goals against Real Madrid. And it's important for Tottenham as a club in the, in the big scheme to keep getting in the Champions League year on, year out. You know, they might not get to the, they might not win the Champions League this year, we all know that, but they have to make sure their league form keeps them in there because that's what big clubs do. Yeah. Uh, very briefly, Jose won the Liga and the next season lost his job after a difficult start. How much pressure actually is there on the manager out there in Spain? You know it sort of better than any of us. I don't think there is much pressure to Just be Just because he's such a legend or...? Well, because of what he's achieved. I think yeah. it's very early on in the season. Um, Barcelona have had a relatively strong... Um, squads, they haven't had any injuries. Real Madrid have, have had lots of injuries. So I think there's plenty of time. There's no club like it, though. You never but, really but know. But to be very honest, that performance the other day was worrying because I thought they were terrible. It's the one yeah. of the worst I've seen, certainly the first half. I thought it was one of the worst I've seen in a long time from them. Um, right, let's, uh, let's talk about our final part tonight. Who's lit a fire under your season? These are your thoughts. Guy Fawkes tried very, very hard to blow up Burnley's defence by taking Michael Keane and sending him on his way to Everton. But it was not to be, because rising like a rocket from those ashes was the superstar that is James Tarkovsky. An absolutely fantastic replacement for Michael Keane, has really stepped up and has been a shining light in Burnley's back four this season. A player who's lit up Watford's season so far has got to be holding midfielder Abdoulaye Decore. He contributes so much to the team, he breaks up plays superbly. He's already scored four goals this season, but most importantly, he never gives the ball away. Mikel Mourinho, Jamal Lascelles, two players have been absolutely outstanding for Newcastle this season. It's a shame Jamal Lascelles wasn't named in the latest England squad because I think he deserved it. There's only one player that's really stood out for the Albion. That has to be Lewis Dunk. The defender has been mesmerising on the ball and off the ball and when he's trying to win the ball as well. He's really set himself up against some of Premier League's best so far and there's no doubt the guy's just going to improve game after game after game. Very good. Natalie's having a nice holiday, isn't she? Oh, she's making us jealous, isn't she, with the Minnie Mouse ears oh, on there? <laughs> hope she brings us a present back. We'll be watching for that next week. Um, lots of people getting in touch. Um, Cam says, Harry Winks is such a creative spark in this Spurs midfield, hopefully for many years to come. Dave says, Kevin De Bruyne is the one player who's lit up my season so far. Some of his passes have been magical. Such a crucial player for Man City. Chelsea, who's lit up Chelsea for you this season? Give me some notice if you can ask me. <laughs> no, there's, no, there's no need because I know you. I know you. Uh, I know you well enough to say you're going to say Eden Hazard. Uh, yeah, he has. Come back. Come back. To he's me. just been brilliant, hasn't he? Uh, still been injured, hasn't he? Recently, he, recently he's been injured. I mean, it, Chelsea haven't actually had a complete stand. Wasn't brilliant player. midweek. Not, not a standout player. <laughs> Liverpool, Salah. Yeah, Mo Salah. Twelve goals in seventeen games. Um, He's on fire at the moment, in good form. Yeah, you see that? Fire. 
Very he's good. He's on fire nice. He's thrown one in there. <laughs> like that, Stephen. Go then. Go on, Liverpool. Salah, he's on fire. <laughs> 12 and 17. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm, I was De Bruyne, that's why you threw me. I think De Bruyne is the, the game against Stoke. Yeah. And those parts. Of every player in the Premier League, he's the one, do you think? He's a, for me, if I'm, mm. if I'm voting today, player of the year yeah. is him so yeah. far. Um, Joe says Leroy Sane brings even more pace, power and goals to the City side that we didn't see last season. He's City's best player this season. Simon, hands down Richarlison. The goals, the assists, the skills. He's 19 years old. And Simon Dutton says the man who's lit up our season is Wilf Zaha. Palace looked dead until he came back. We're a different team when he plays. When you guys look back on your careers, when do you sort of look back as the peak time for you, the moment that you really felt you were on fire, that you were flying? Thanks. (laughs) Probably uh, 2005, first Jose Mourinho season for me. And then 2006, 2007. <laughs> <laughs> and every subsequent season. The next after. 10 years <laughs> after that. <laughs> <laughs> joking, joking. 2005, 2010 were my best yeah. year. What were you doing so well then? Um, I mean, it was, I was scoring goals. I was a big part of the team. We had a great team. So, like a lady was sitting there and I had a real, you know, uh, a licence to get forward a lot. We won the league relatively well and it was just a special season 2010 was the other one with Ancelotti yeah. where we had a really good team and you just floated through feeling brilliant did you you just no, felt it's not, listen, it's, not that, it's not that simple and uh, everyone, is, everyone has phases whether it's in a season or in a career where you, you, you feel like you're on top of your game and yeah. you, you bounce from game to game and then you have a bit of a tough point you have to get through but when I look back on that season as a whole for me it was probably my best Stephen yeah probably 2005 2006 mm. probably that season where I felt physically strong felt like I can compete against most players I went up against and yeah, always felt like I can affect the game. I think during your career, you always have a couple of years where you feel physically stronger than all the other years, so it was probably five and six. Well, for you, Mac, probably 1984? 1972 <laughs> when I was born. You're waiting for that, weren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to get like, love. Uh, I'm itching to get love. No, but there was times, for instance, at Liverpool, when I was, I felt every time I went onto the pitch, I was going to play well and score yeah. goals or create. Or, but sometimes, if there's no end product, as in you're not winning something at the end mm. of the year, it quickly gets lost, yeah. you know, and that was, that was primarily one of the reasons why I felt I had to leave. I was playing really, really good football, but, um, but not getting the rewards at the end of the season. So, mm. you know, sometimes you can say, oh, I thought I played Where great. Where did you play then better then? Did you, did you play, I mean, I think you played better at Real Madrid. Do you think you were better yeah, because, at Liverpool, but just not at the players around you? Yeah, probably. Really? Probably. Probably. I was, yeah, I was probably the uh, sort of... Like one of the most important players at Liverpool at the time, but when I joined a better team with better players, you become more of a collective. And when you win something at the end of the season, everybody plays their part. Where at Liverpool, yeah. it was it, I felt at times it was up to me to create, to create all the time. But then if you're not winning something at the end of it, people just you know you just talk about the champions instead or the FA Cup yeah. winners, or and and that was a little bit lost. What about you? When did you peak? Oh, I w- <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult though, isn't it? You know, when you look back on your career and you think, you know, probably, and this is a true story, when Blue I was voted. CBBs, isn't it? CBBs, that's when you peaked. Formula One, I thought. I thought Formula One. Everything else. It's unbelievable, this. Hey, don't knock CBBs. Have you guys never heard of... You never heard of... the Formula One. He knew he stuffed, didn't he? I thought he was good. He knew he stuffed on that. The walk and talk. It's fine. You not heard of Bamzuki? No. Fine. What about... 
career low points? I'm having one right now. <laughs> uh, what about the times where you really sort of, you struggled, like you felt in a bit of a rut or whatever, and how, how you got yourself out of that? Well, I personally, it was, if, if, you, if you had injuries, that was, the, that was always the hard part. So if your team was losing, you didn't feel as if you were contributing. Because, it, you know, these Frank and Stephen, you know, were massive players in the team. So if they weren't contributing, if they weren't the best all the time, you felt it. You carried the, yeah. you carried the weight on your own shoulders because you felt as if you were the star player in the team. And I always felt at times like that, if the team were losing, you weren't contributing. That was always a low yeah. point. But you have to, Frank said it before, you have to battle through. There are, there are loads. Like every player has loads of low points. You have to work out and it could be a couple of games or a big period, but you have to get yourself out. Absolutely. We're about 10 seconds, unfortunately. I think you asked that question because you know I'm going to say Chelsea the slip, don't you? No, I did. Yeah, you did. No, I absolutely one, did not. One all. It's written here. <laughs> <laughs> one one. Five. Uh, listen, I really at enjoyed least, that. At least nobody said this show. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> listen. Thanks for listening to this week's Premier League Tonight podcast. We're back after the international break on Saturday the 18th of November when Jose Mourinho's Manchester United entertain Newcastle live on BT Sport. Please subscribe to ensure you receive each week's podcast direct to your device every Saturday night. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Yes! Get in another massive three points on the road for the Mighty Clarence. Morning signs were there the last 10 minutes, went to forward the chance, bombed hit the post as well, and then they go and score in the last minute to win it. A good point for Stoke, and could, could have won it with the very last touch of the game. The goal we conceded, again, pretty poor. Forster should have done much better, should have been much quicker. He never looked like scoring anymore with Pierce in charge. The way he sets up is horrendous. Sometimes it's like we're not even trying to score. That was a battling, fighting performance from Huddersfield Town. And I, and I don't think I've ever been as proud of the boys. Every single player out there gave their all. They put their lives on the line for the club.